0: This week on Bloodstream, calling all singers and wannabe singers in the bleeding disorder community, we have an opportunity for you to shine, and we'll tell you all about it. Also, hear more about the Better You Know campaign from NHF and the CDC, and we'll finish up with singer and songwriter Max Feinstein about his new record, Redefine.
1: At a chronic condition like hemophilia, you're looking at it like it's an app on your phone that takes up like 40% of your memory, and you can't delete it you can't open it it's just there
0: hi i'm your host amy board and as always i'm still not a doctor so make sure to consult with one of those before making any healthcare decisions and reminder that you can watch bloodstream on our bloodstream media youtube channel subscribe to bloodstream on apple pods or stream episodes directly from bloodstreammedia.com thanks for listening rate review and tell a friend and hey welcome to bloodstream Well, we have so much to get to this week. It is me. You're just going to get me this episode. It's going to be me and you. So, like, hunker down. But we have this fantastic interview with Max Feinstein. It really, truly... I just actually got off the phone with him and really moving good things. And he's doing really good things. So stick around for that. It's going to be terrific. But of course, before we get into all that, I just want to thank our presenting sponsor to Takeda. Takeda has this website, bleedingdisorders.com, where you can learn all about Takeda's resources for and their commitment to the bleeding disorders community. You can learn more simply by visiting bleedingdisorders.com. So I'd just like to say thank you, Takeda. Hey, some quick reminders before we get into the heart of the episode. We have really cool things. It's that time of year where cool things are happening. It's March and things are happening. Happy Bleeding Disorders Awareness Month, as always. Uh, The Teen Impact Awards, the nominations are now open. Have you heard about these things? The Teen Impact Awards? We talk about them all the time. But they are a full-blown award show. Believe Limited puts on a full-blown award show, the Teen Impact Awards at NHF's BDC Conference, the first night of the conference, typically. And the awards are meant to celebrate and honor and recognize teenagers in your community doing things for their community Impact. We're really looking for impact. We like to recognize things that don't typically get recognized. It's a great way to get some stuff on college applications. So think about those teenagers in your life. Who who are doing things, especially in this year of COVID and lockdown? Who are the teenagers that really stepped out of their shell and contributed to their communities? You can nominate folks at teenimpactawards.com. So we hope that you can uh, support some of your teenagers in the community. Also, uh, last year we launched a scholarship in Patrick's brother's name, the Adam Lynch scholarship, and those applications are opening. Uh, So if you have a teenager that's going to go to school next year, that's going to college next year, this is a great opportunity for uh, them to apply for a scholarship. So you can learn all about that through the Teen Impact Awards website at teenimpactawards.org. And another opportunity for singers or want to be singers in the community. This is so exciting. In 2021, we are making our Breaking Through music theater experience accessible to everyone. We are going to offer a groundbreaking nationwide four-month masterclass called The Ensemble. It's going to be virtual and we welcome all ages, teenagers and up. That means adults, full-blown, adults can be involved in breaking through. Very excited. So any member of the bleeding disorders community 14 years and older, we're going to be meeting in two separate groups. There will be one for high school and college age kids and one for adults. The ensemble is going to meet just like I said virtually to practice music therapy, breathing exercises, and of course to sing together. No experience is necessary. No talent is necessary. All levels are encouraged to join. They're going to meet every other Saturday morning. We begin Saturday March 13th you can sign up at breaking through again that is breaking and I have to say uh, personally from you know I of course was a theater kid I was a choir kid there's nothing like that experience of joining together with people that you might not hang out with in normal life um, to come together towards something, to put on a show, to sing a song, and this is really special you know we're able to do this virtually so you don't have to leave your home you can pop in and out you don't have to be there for the first one so even if you're just curious you can just go on zoom and see um we would love to have you join our ensemble um paul russell will be directing the ensemble again he has directed music directed uh, breaking through for the past two years he's phenomenal so we really hope that you guys will uh grab this opportunity again you can sign up and get more information and kind of see what you think at breakingthroughhemophilia.com. We will have that link in the program notes our next segment is brought to you by Genentech. As you know, the Challenge Accepted Show is their exciting reality web series hosted by magician and comedian Justin Willman. It shines a light on members of the hemophilia community accepting the challenge to go outside their comfort zone. If you haven't already, check out their reunion episode on YouTube where the cast of season one got together to talk about what they've learned since their episodes aired. Just search the phrase Challenge Accepted Show on YouTube to watch and also be on the look out for season two premiering soon. So, hey, this is something I wanted to uh, bring to your attention um, because we talked about it last week. And uh, Flow, the third episode of Flow with Dr. Paula James, just released yesterday on Thursday, March 11th. And I thought it would be worthwhile to bring in, uh, not to bring in, but to bring up the Better You Know campaign because we haven't talked about it, which is crazy. Uh, Better You Know is a campaign to raise awareness of bleeding disorders for those individuals who may experience symptoms but have not yet been diagnosed this program was developed by the National Hemophilia Foundation in partnership with the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention otherwise known as the CDC Um, one of the things that I think is great that Dr. James talks about on flow. So you can listen to that conversation on bloodstreammedia.com. You can listen to the third episode of flow. But just to have a baseline, I think it's important. um, The CDC mentions that heavy bleeding during menstruation, um, anything that lasts longer than seven days from the time bleeding starts until it ends is something that, um, again, something that lasts longer than seven days might be worth a trip to the doctor flooding or gushing of blood that limits daily activities such as work school exercise or social activities or passing clots that are bigger than a grape um, soaking a tampon or pad every hour or more often on your heaviest days are also signs that perhaps you should go and check with your OBGYN and maybe even further a hematologist dr james mentions all of these things in the third episode of flow but i just wanted to bring to your attention the better you know campaign because they do have a risk assessment tool on the cdc website if you go to the cdc website you can check out better you know you can check out this risk assessment tool and you can kind of go through some questions to see if maybe your menstrual bleeding is not just abnormal but maybe is disordered a bit and maybe you should talk to a hematologist. So I just kind of wanted to bring that to everybody's attention. Um, We're going to put links in the program notes where you guys can go. But we think it's important and we really want to partner with uh, the National Hemophilia Foundation and, of course, the CDC on some of their um, symptoms and what we should look out for. And maybe you are at risk of having a bleeding disorder or maybe you are at risk for not being treated the way that you should properly. So we just wanted to give you that resource. Uh, About one in five women in the United States experience heavy menstrual bleeding, and if left untreated, heavy menstrual bleeding can place women and girls at increased risk for other health problems. So we really wanted to extend to you that resource. Check it out in the program notes. Thank you to Genentech for supporting this segment, and don't forget to check out the reunion episode by searching Challenge Accepted Show on YouTube. So let's get to our interview today. As I mentioned before, Max Feinstein will be with us. Uh, Singer-songwriter, he just recorded a new album. He's really, really engaging, and I think you're going to love it. So Max will be with us right after the break. I am here with singer-songwriter Max Feinstein. Max has just concluded the tracking this month for his new record titled Redefine. Max, welcome to the podcast.
1: Pleasure to be here.
0: I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to talk about your record. Tell us a little bit about it. What was your inspiration?
1: It was rehabilitating my right elbow during COVID. So a lot of my prospects for work vanished with the discontinuation of live performance. So I kind of was left to deal with an elbow that was diagnosed as bone-on-bone arthritic like a decade ago. And I just kind of like, you know, I was still having problems. My, my care wasn't dialed in well. It was a moving target. So I just kind of was like, forget that. I'll put project after project after project in front of myself. I'll show up. I'll just push my way through this because it's not like being prudent is helping me. So fast forward 10 years of essentially being in constant motion. And having all of your work and your work prospects vanish, you kind of sit with yourself a lot and you think, oh yeah, I'll play a lot more guitar. I'll, you know, I'll make time for this thing. No, you're making time for pain now. And eventually I decided to examine physical therapy again for the first time since I was 18. I like checked out on it because I had a doctor who didn't really seem to get hemophilia and the 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 therapy felt very form, and it was a newly diagnosed target joint, and that was a whole problem. It was just a very overwhelming experience. Really easy to shut down on it. So then I started working with uh, Mike Zolo through HANJ and at the in New Jersey, who is um you know the hemodoc. He's a hemophiliac physical therapist. Why shouldn't I take advantage of this? mandated time off to try, you know, and through that, I had atrophy. I had atrophy. I had a lot of bad habits. I had a lot of pain from moving the joint wrong. And I had to put in a lot of effort. And it felt like the first time I'd been able to consistently put in effort without hurting myself.
0: And that pain was affecting you playing guitar. Oh, being it, creative,
1: it affected everything. It was like, even, you know, even though it got better over the years, in certain ways, it was still a a very strong reality that mm-hmm. kind of dedicated a lot of my bandwidth. You, you know how it goes. It had a chronic condition like hemophilia, you're looking at it like it's an app on your phone that takes up like 40% of your memory and you can't, delete it. You can't open it. It's just there. And you kind of get by with less focus. And I didn't really get to appreciate that as much until I found myself in a better place because I I had enough of an ability at this point in my life that I didn't have earlier to put that effort in without hurting myself. It was, it was strange. It was a, a, a circumstance that, that I'm not sure could have happened at any other point in my life. Uh, Prior to now,
0: you know, one of the things you mentioned on your website that I was so fascinated with is that you have um, Through you know creating this record you have found your way back to the bleeding disorder community And I was really moved by that statement because burnout I believe can be real and it should be normalized And so I just want to ask you a little bit about that and what what has it been like to re-enter the community? your what was your experience?
1: my first experience was what you would consider a common one. A mother has a child, that child has hemophilia, they turn to their local chapter and uh, in the right situation, they become part of it. They become part of that community and and find a way to enrich it. And my mother was exceptional at that. My mother's name was Anna De Simone, and She was incredibly active within the state of New Jersey for hemophilia advocacy in ways that I currently can't even fathom because they happened so early in my life and they were so nuanced as everything that happens in this community is that as a kid, you really can't appreciate politics, laws, and and medical stuff. So my mother was heavily involved at HANJ, and as you know, this community has a way of overwhelming us with not only the camaraderie, but the commitments and a balance is, is quite difficult to find. Um, which is amazing. It's amazing that we have this community at all. So it, I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but there is a reality of, uh, the, com- the, 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 the community feeling almost insular and consuming, uh, if you're not careful and if you don't appreciate that. I didn't, so I burnt out. You know, I wanted to be involved. I loved my mom and I wanted to like be parts of this stuff. But what you hear a lot is men, especially with this disorder, as they learn to navigate it, they feel resentful towards it and anything that has to do with it, because it seems super, almost like you're celebrating being hurt. If I could put a, an, an irrational past emotion, you know, through that lens of cynicism that a kid with hemophilia might have at that, at like nine, ten years old, so so you kind of try to break away if you're if you're feeling that way. So eventually, I I sort of did around my teens as I tried to focus on music and pursuits of music that would often prioritize my time over the community to the point where I was working a lot of nights and uh, I was in an area that wasn't convenient to access community functions from. I just, I checked out. I made a choice to check out because I felt like this wasn't going to get any better and I needed to do things on my own terms, I suppose. What happened fast forward to 2019 I'd worked by and large as a uh, sideman most of my career. I did like a solo record in 2012 because I wasn't sure that was right after my arthritis. You know, my mother was on her deathbed. I was in a place of, of grief and uh, distress. And I thought, you know, if, if my arm's going to fall off or whatever, I'm going to get this out. I'm going to get something out to show for myself like this if I got to put it down. Luckily, I didn't. But that was sort of where that went. And then I got to be part of bands and and work towards that romantic, uh, greater collaborative good, as well as uh, the romantic sideman thing. I think of uh, like David Bowie's Mick Ronson or Adrian Ballou for like the Talking Heads. Like that sideman role to me has been a romantic thing as well as a guitar player. So I got to do a lot of that and support a lot of very charismatic, talented songwriters and learn. So in, in the press and the promotion of those things, you don't really talk about hemophilia. That becomes uh, detrimental to the cycle because it's kind of like, oh yeah, we we were in Nashville recording this thing and our lead guitarist's blood doesn't work. You know, like it, it, that's, it's it's not a great talking point in that context. Right. So I kind of kept mum about it in that way. I wasn't shy about it with, my touring companions and with my sure. bandmates, because to me, that was important to communicate, to, de- to demonstrate that I was managing this because hmm. my biggest worry, especially on the road or at any job is that a person who doesn't know what they're looking at, when they hear that you're a hemophiliac, when, when a person hears that, they immediately in, in their mind, consider you a liability. They consider if you're going to be a liability to what they're trying to do. They wonder where their responsibility lies in general, let alone if you become in crisis. So I got good at explaining it and being very casual about it and, and telling them that, Hey, basically the, uh, I will let you know if this is a problem that I need your help with. I've got this managed. Um, if you don't like needles, Then every couple of days, take a fifteen-minute walk around 10 a.m. I got a thing I got to do, you know. Yeah. So I tried to make it as um, pithy as I could. I almost think like Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, where like the the the, there's a scene where he is like in front of a bunch of art or something, addressing a crowd, and he's like, "We are here to show you art and feed you ribs. If you like the ribs, (laughs) you will give us money." End of speech. Like, <laughs> I tried to make it that. Yeah. yeah. And in doing that, it became clear, especially when, you know, I was in Nashville recording a record at like a Grammy factory, basically. It was a, a highlight of my life working with this band, BWQ. Uh, and we recorded a record that's out called One by One. And I had a nosebleed the entire two week time we were out. Like every day I had nosebleeds. And
0: just had to explain it away.
1: <laughs> it was, it became a, a source of levity, thankfully. Right.
0: Because right.
1: we were, you know, there's a, there's a lot of comedy. I, I have a background in comedy as well. Um, I, I've been uh, working with improv comedy for about as long as I've been making music, which is 20 years. I got to train at the, at the upright citizens brigade theater a bit. It's, it, it's been the most valuable thing to me, if I'm being honest. Um, but, through all that, you know, I got to educate my friends, right my my comrades, right, and show them that you know, essentially, I got to humanize uh, what is normally an abstract in someone's life that they're not uh, experiencing themselves. So I-, I was grateful that it wasn't a problem. you know, that was how I saw it at the time. um. And then- But it
0: certainly wasn't a talking point. Like you mentioned with the press, like it wasn't a talking point. And with this record, you're really trying to blend the two almost in yeah. a way. Like this is, you know, you know, your music platform and an advocacy platform. What has that meant to you to kind of chart this new path and, and blend the two? It
1: meant finding something in myself because this was a fluke for me because I released a, a short EP called Betamax that hmm. same year in 2019. And then the effort of trying to get press for that, um, a reporter named Jim Testa, who's a friend of mine, um, asked if I had a a hook. And I said, all right, all right, let's do it. It was it was something that, you know, I was at a place where I could do that. I was really not in a in a great mental headspace, but I was becoming more brazen
0: Hmm.
1: and and You know, I was in a place where I, you know, looking back on it now, I realized that not talking about it was uh, a very toxic thing for me, you know, that I wasn't sharing nearly as much as I thought I was. And that uh, in starting to talk about it and to, to let people in, I had realized I was sort of starving myself. It's like that first drink of water after you haven't had a cup all morning and you're like, oh, wait, I feel like a human. I'm starved for this right now. What was I doing before? It jumped out of my hands, Amy. Like That interview has been shared almost a thousand times. Wow. It, It was a surprise to me because it showed me that I really had been very stoic about this. And it became something that I saw as an opportunity to educate people that I didn't see a lot of in the community because the community is uh small and it's highly dedicated to uh its ecosystem
0: Mm. and
1: to the security of its people it's highly dedicated towards legal advocacy we move legislative mountains regularly we have an ecosystem in which there is a lot of financial help and a lot of ways to make sure somebody isn't without medicine in america that that it's it's Amazingly fortunate in its way. But pressing outwards, the perspective I have had and and continue to have is that uh, we are often seen as a footnote to the story of AIDS, despite being perhaps, you know, this centrifugal part of it from my understanding, I read a, a Freddie Mercury biography. And of course that deals with AIDS and HIV a bit. And they are absolutely referencing at one point, uh, a, a, like the hemophilia association of the UK or something, you know, we had to, that was, that was what happened in that time. But what are we beyond that? We are two references on the Simpsons, one reference, and on, I think criminal minds or psych, and two references on Brooklyn 9 and like one reference on Family Guy. Like that's what we are.
0: That were incorrect. A lot of a lot of the statements on those television shows were they're throwaway misleading, things. They're throwaway things. To expand on that a little bit, the album is called Redefine. Mm-hmm. And you want to redefine hemophilia. And I feel like this plays a little bit into that. How what does that mean to you? What does redefining hemophilia mean to you?
1: For my personal North Star of this all. It means to redefine hemophilia in the eyes of people who have no idea how to grasp it. It means being able to tell people about it in a way that doesn't make this sound like a dramatic situation and and allow them to be like, oh, he's just a dude most of the time. Sometimes his blood doesn't work, but he's kind of got it under control. You know, kind of, you know, not to rank severity of disorders, but I feel like diabetes is a bit more popular to understand, at least in terms of, oh, hey, he, you know, he does this, and he avoids this, and he thinks about it this way. And he's, you know, got it under control. Like, it's not, you know, I don't mean to compare the two in any scientific way, any valid way, other than there are more diabetics than hemophiliacs. So of course, it's going to be
0: I think you make a great point, though, because diabetes, especially ju- juvenile diabetes, has been portrayed in pop culture. Yeah. I mean, you know, the b- book that I read, the book series I read as a child, uh, The Babysitter's Club, had a character. One of the main characters was a diabetic. And so you just know what that world is. Yeah. You know, Steel Magnolias and those types of things. And uh, I think you're right. We don't have someone with hemophilia in pop culture.
1: It's it's hard because – the. Uh, there are so few of us, and it is uh, such a, a dictating thing that it's easy to, you know, even in reality, feel like you're defined by this. Especially when you have joint damage, it, it's easy to feel like, you know, I don't know, I guess it's always felt like all I am. And, and so I tried to pick up guitar as a way to feel like I could be something else.
0: Else. Oh, that's, that was, that's profound to me. Um, it, what's your favorite lyric off the album?
1: That's an interesting question, uh, because the words really have mattered to me quite a bit on this record. This, mm-hmm. this record is seven songs. Uh, I believe I've settled into a narrative that I hadn't initially intended that feels very resonant to sort of this arc. And the lyrics to me have been important in the sense of trying to be very reasonable and again, sort of almost like a diagram of a situation so that I can come back to it and feel like I've I've learned something from it. So like each of the songs sort of helps me find a solution to a problem that I couldn't find somewhere else, because when you're looking for solutions in the wrong place, that's just kind of escapism. So I, I found myself, since I was mostly writing as a guitarist in a band or writing with a portfolio mindset or writing for other people, uh, I found myself finally getting in touch with my own self and writing for myself and trying to find things that were reasonable and not overly dramatic I like the music could be nice and dramatic but a big example of this i didn't want to because this is effectively a self-help record it's me being like yeah this is how i helped myself uh, i hope there's catharsis for you to find in this it's through the hemophilia lens but ultimately this is a human condition thing i suppose so the the last line of the record is Continue attempting the progress. May you arrive, and that to me was something I had to get just right, because originally on on paper it was you will arrive, and while that may be a more encouraging sentiment of, to me it feels like a promise. I don't know what someone else's arrival is. I can't define that for them. That might give them the expectation that my thing is their thing, and their thing is their own thing, and i don't want to promise something that would be dishonest so to wish somebody well and say may you arrive you know it feels almost like a like a send-off like a like a goodbye and farewell rather than a you're gonna you know like then at the end so this record has this sort of story arc Uh, the first song is supposed to depict coming out of a depressive haze you know we observe a specimen today shouting at the voids staring at the walls Petri dish and abject disarray. Here I am, but I will not remain. Hand over hand, draw the lines. So this thing of effort, the the idea of, of displaying the effort, not the after, not the middle, but the, the mid-fall, if you will, the thing where it's not polished. It's not, you know, it's not complete. It hasn't arrived anywhere. This is what arrival looks like. And uh, the process of arrival anyway and in the process of, of the little things and the efforts, ideally we arrive. So like from there it goes to sort of a rising action from exposure to um, dealing with sort of negative self-talk and this sort of fearless inventory of, uh, of feeling like you never actually put effort into anything. Stop the madness. Did you ever try to stop the madness? Your every fight you ever fought, all the squandered time you thought, but never once you thought to stop the problems in your head. Well, grit your teeth, dig in and stop the madness, you know, except mean. So, you know, and from there, it's like reflecting on my childhood. And I had this Mm. lateral phonetics exercise. Um, You know, the song is called Charades, and it's sort of a revelation, more compassionate. These were the games you'd play. that got you through the day you saw no other way with your life up on display. Days were long, days long gone away, days you used to scheme, Ophelia how you get away, you know, days you used to dream, Ophelia, makes you just want to scream, Ophelia, doesn't it, you know, to, to, it was a shower thought, I wasn't happy about it at the time, I was like, "Ah, this is what it's gonna be, isn't it, we're going with this, this is really, this is, like, I love it, and I say this with all the affection for the thing, but, I, I, it felt very silly while I was trying to be sincere. So it took a minute mm. and it kind of takes you by surprise. So I'm, I, I do feel a pride of it. And, and uh, you know, that, that whole thing, a pain you got to settle into before you forgive that this idea of trying to process where I was and, and, and each of these songs has um, sort of these, I don't know what else to call them, but they're sort of these devices of uh, the level and the struggle the struggle is supposed to be like these extended pieces that demonstrate effort, that demonstrate control, or, or uh, the, the actual sort of climactic uh, struggle, and ultimately each song is triumphant in its way. And then there's the level in which one is not deluding themselves, and there's not a whole lot of hyperbole. A kind of pain you have to settle into before you forgive. Such a bloody, boring way to try to try to live. So easy to tune out all the static when you pull the plug, while we're here, let's try to dial in, you know, stuff like that, wow. where I'm like, come on, yeah, you know, what are you doing, man? And, and, and that's a big thing, too. There's a lot of anger in this community. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, we are men and women in pain. We are men and women mm-hmm. of tragedy, mm-hmm.
0: unfortunately,
1: both of the body and of the, the, the complications thereafter. Yeah. And, and a song called Pass Happens, which is about reflecting at who you've been to people, this is the battle you have won. This is the damage you have done. This is the person you've become. It's mm. just the way you feel right now, but it'll pass. You're mm. coming to appreciation for the way you feel inside. Lack of self-control is turning you into a burning house. Friends and loved ones keep their distance, rightly so, until such time it is you come to an appreciation for the way you feel inside. So, you know, the reality of, of my own anger problems
0: mm. to...
1: Into a more compassionate, you know, that's almost like that song is like repressing a panic attack in the in the best ways I get to do these ridiculous vocals and be a punk and like, feel feel very goofy. And then then a song called Dear Anxious happens, which is kind of about coming back to the community in its way. Um, You know, set the mood, name the tune, lead the way they'll follow you. Don't deny what you have found. Build the kingdom tall upon the blood and sound. So, that sort of idea. If you're doing the right thing, follow through. You're on the hook now. You're in it. Come on. You can be special for somebody, maybe. You can be special. You can feel, you're, you're feeling fulfilled. You feel like you're satisfying this thing that your mother dedicated her life to. Come around now to astound. So spread your wings and drop the tood. So, you know? So from there we get the song that deals most overtly with hemophilia called Bleed, which I'm going to invite the community and anyone who wants to ally themselves with us to join. You're all going to join Team Ophelia with me because this is a big old grunge pep rally. My disease won't let me be. My disease that can't be seen. My disease won't let me be when all I ever do is bleed. I know that nothing I could ever say could ever take away the pain, but I'm coming to appreciate the origin of codependent rage. Give me an H. So the song has this whole ending of give me an H, give me an H. And for a while, that was something that I saw cynically as like, who's excited to have hemophilia? But at the same time, this is an absurd disorder. Go with it. Be absurd. Let's call it what it is, which is a ridiculous, chaotic thing. And maybe we can have this weird shared enthusiasm over absurdity and not be so alone. So I invite everybody to join Team Ophelia and give me an H. You can do it from your phone through the SpeakPipe app. Ideally, that will be up by the end of the week. That's what part of my day is today after this. From there is the, the sort of the capstone, the, the redefine. You know, on its face, songs are empty words bordering on the absurd half the time. Let's redefine the type of vernaculars we might use. Alter the lexicon till we break through. And in spite of ourselves, we can thrive, you know, or we can try not even thrive that's almost too much of a guarantee you know so the idea of trying to be like yeah give it your go man watching and waiting will be the unmaking in time to quiet the mind's machinations continue attempting the process may you arrive
0: Mm. i may need i may
1: need a decoder ring for the first no the community (laughs) this is a community that learns medical jargon while learning arithmetic like yeah we're Fine, I'm not condescending anyone.
0: Uh, I don't believe you are either.
1: That's, a, that's something you, that was important to me.
0: Oh, Max. You mentioned your mother. What do you think she would be thinking? If she watched you do this.
1: I don't know because there's a lot of absurdism to this mm. that may have been beyond her appreciation. I have um, a friend of mine, a comedian friend of mine whose only attachment to our community is me created a character for another purpose. It's just kind of a red smudge with arms and legs called Claudie. And and I saw this and I felt so seen of this. And now as a result of this, in her gracious uh, compassion, I have this character, Claudie Bugatti. And it's just this this absurdism thing that I think my mother might have not necessarily jived with. She was an open-minded woman, but I feel as though she would have seen... Uh, a lack of shame is perhaps a lack of dignity.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: I think she would appreciate the effort. I think I think eventually she would get the point even if it wasn't her cup of tea. but I think she would be happy that the uh, prodigal son doth return if it, as it were, you know
0: so tell us how can we listen? How can we support? What can we do to uh, make sure that this gets into the homes as, as many people as we can?
1: so I am currently doing a nonprofit uh, partnered crowdfunding campaign on Fractured Atlas. So, contributions to this are uh, considered gifts, they're tax deductible. I am raising money through that. And you can find my music as it exists already on Bandcamp, on Spotify, whatever you prefer to listen to your music on. Uh, I'm grateful for your attention. Uh, I will have links to give you for. Uh, the relevant things to the campaign for redefine hemophilia as well as uh give me an h because uh, i would love to see as many people you know you get a record credit man that's so cool like i i would love to be able to get the community on the record and feel like they can participate with me let's let's uh let's all do it together man
0: Absolutely. You can find those links on our program notes and we will uh, make sure we'll push them out on our socials as well. Max, thank you so much for joining us today. It was fascinating, but it was really it was moving to me. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your work and your story. Thank you, Max. Thank you for being with us, of course. Check out the program notes, you guys, to find where you can listen and follow and support Max's work. I always have to say thank you to our producer, Greg, for bearing with me. And uh, we just want to highlight that next week we're going to have a very special episode for you, so make sure you stick around. And happy Bleeding Disorders Awareness Month. Thank you to the Bloodstream team, and thank you all for listening. And of course, thanks, to Takeda, for being the presenting sponsor of the Bloodstream podcast, bleedingdisorders.com, to learn more. And that is all for this episode. Have a bleeding disorders or healthcare topic you'd like to hear us discuss more? Is there an expert or a guest that you're dying to hear from? Want to inquire about casting opportunities for Bloodstream's narrative and docu-style podcast series? Well, email us at mailbag at or connect with Bloodstream Media on social media. You'll find all of us, all of us, Patrick, Natalie, me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can check out LinkedIn. You can follow Patrick on LinkedIn. He loves it. Check out the program notes in this episode on your podcast player or on bloodstreammedia.com, where you will find links and information related to the stories and segments featured on this episode. I am your host, Amy Board. Thank you so much for joining me today. And until next time, take self-care of yourself, everybody. Bye-bye.